WVUAFM, Tuscaloosa. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to 90.7 The Capstone. This is the Game Day Show. I'm Nazaro Pengal here with my partners, Caden Johnson and Peyton Davis. Thank you all for tuning in. We just got done talking about the Alabama defense and what they need to do to stop this LSU offense that has been fantastic all season. One thing that has not been fantastic for LSU is their defense that has struggled in a lot of areas to be fair to be honest and they also have at least three secondary players out this game if not four um so there is a lot of room for this Alabama offense to have one of their best games of the season Uh, LSU does 106 in the country in yards per play allowed dead last in the country in opponent red zone scoring percentage they've also allowed 4.6 yards per carry which is 94th in the country they're just not very good on defense no they're super susceptible to the big play and they're missing their best defensive lineman, Makai Wingo, also. It's just, it's across the board, it's a tough, you know, situation for them. But I think this game's a lot about margin of error for Alabama. Like, on offense, your margin of error is not very, not very large. And, well, of course, not on defense. But offensively, this game is every opportunity for, a, you know, growth from Jalen Miller. He's faced much better defenses than this. There's no question about it. This Alabama offense flying's faced much better pass rushes than this. You know, and then this team is... The LSU super susceptible, you know, to big plays through the air, but also on the ground, very susceptible to big plays. So you saw the way that, well, I mean, Ole Miss just torched them pretty much just, I mean, unresisted. And, like, when you see, like, 700 yards of offense, whatever it was, that's something where I don't – you're not going to need that, I don't think, today. But, you, I mean, this is a time to grow. I mean, there's no more – this is not a, a game where you can win scoring under 30 points, I don't think. If this game goes under, then Alabama, I believe, wins. But – I think many believe that. I think that the you know the higher the score gets, the more pressure gets on this Alabama offense to capitalize, and it's all going to be on them. You know, all of the pressures on their shoulders to execute because it's all there for them. It's there for the taking. And Bond, <laughs> Isaiah Bond, and Jermaine Burton on the outside are going to be facing freshman defensive backs. They got you know I think two underclassmen at the safety, Sage Ryan and Ashton Stamps, I believe. But uh, you know underclassmen inexperienced across the board you see Harold Perkins is a great player we know how great of a player that he is but he's been used more in a off ball role in the slot kind of a situational pass rusher it's kind of interesting to see but it's probably just a testament to how you know they're kind of struggling in multiple position groups that they need Harold Perkins to do a lot more for them so and he's capable of that you got it so another key is Jalen Milrow before every single play you got to know where four is you got to know where Harold Perkins is you got to see your keys and see what they're going to do I'm interested to see what LSU's game plan is. Do they send heavy pressure? Do they try to get after an offensive line that can sometimes struggle in pass protection? I could see that and test Milrow, you know, his timing and how, you know, his processing in terms of the quick and short and intermediate game. Um, I think I could see that, but every opportunity to get going on the ground early, limit possessions for LSU's offense. And, you know, Milrow could also have a bit, I mean, you saw him mix in the zone read game. You've seen him kind of try to build it in a little bit more and more as the season goes on Miller right he's probably as healthy as he's been all season just off this bye week now you can you know kind of unleash a a part of your offense that you've kind of been holding under under wraps so far uh, in the Jalen Miller run game I mean I think he's averaging like 20 rushing yards a game and probably has a lot more to do with sacks and stuff like that but 
we know he's capable of having a big day on the ground, and I believe they do have a big day on the ground, and that's going to be the key to you know this whole game, pretty much. Yeah, the stats may not reflect it just because of the sacks, but, but um, everyone against does. against Tennessee, uh, Milrow did have timely runs. Yeah, uh, he had a few big first down runs. Um, especially towards the end of the game. He probably, true rushing yards, I'm not exactly sure, but just throwing it out, I would say that he probably had 35 to 40 uh, on the ground in that game. I believe you sacked like four times. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, But as for Alabama, I think although they might be a little too dependent on the busted play deep ball, um, kind of, I, I don't know if this is a game that you want to steer away from that. Uh, like Peyton said, injury-plagued LSU team. Um, you've got freshman DBs lining up against guys that Like have, across the board. Yeah. So uh, Jermaine Burton, Isaiah Bond, expect them uh, to run a lot of goes, uh, try to catch these young DBs off guard, um, and and just kind of play on their own. Um, and I also think that it's really beneficial for our offensive line that's growing to have played against Texas, Texas A&M, and Tennessee this year because obviously this LSU front seven is going to be much weaker than those teams. I think that's going to benefit um, our offensive line a lot. I think that we have seen more impressive front sevens than this one I, I do think they're going to step it up today in a big way they do have got a big task in um, controlling and keeping contained um, Harold Perkins but Makai Wingo being out is going to be pretty devastating for LSU in this one I think and one thing we saw in the Tennessee game that we really hadn't seen all season was Chase McClellan really be the number one back yeah. 27 carries in that game he averaged 4.3 per carry 115 yards and you know before that we've never seen him I think get over 20 if I'm not mistaken and do you think that there will be more of that Chase McClellan number one back give him the ball most of the game that we saw against Tennessee well unless a hand another hand gets hot but I think that it's there's going to be room for it early on because they're not going to leave I don't think they're going to leave their freshman defensive backs on an island especially the success that I mean at this point it is a known fact that Jalen Miller has a lot of success throwing the ball down the field that's not just a fluke anymore so if you leave, you know some of these guys on the outside with Jermaine with Jermaine Burton. We we've seen Jermaine Burton time and again. He, he gives them a chance, 50-50, and he comes up with it. So I think that early on they're going to, you know, kind of space it out a little bit, and that's going to open up the run game a little bit. You got to use Chase McClellan. He's this is not a team Alabama team where you're going to average like seven yards a carry. Four or five yards of carry is more realistic because of the way teams are going to stack the box against you. And to your point, these three front sevens that we faced, and um. Texas and Tennessee they're, they're like three of the top 10 in the country so you're seasoned in that way and an Ole Miss defense as well that 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 is improving but you know that, that they played well then so it's just they, there is seasoning here and this is a, a team that's a lot less experienced a lot more susceptible to big plays and it's going to be a better game because I thought it was probably the best game that Caden Proctor played last week or two weeks ago against Tennessee and in the second half the way they were able to hold up um, it's all it starts with the run game and the way you can you know do play action off of that boot Jalen Miller out and use his legs and stuff like that but that's going to open up down the field early on or later on if you're able to establish it early and I think that's what they're going to try to do. Yeah, and I think one thing that will be very interesting is both teams are coming off a bye week. Both teams purposely put that bye week there. They want to prepare for each other. And obviously this LSU defense, their coaching staff knows they got inexperience. They know Alabama can push the ball down the field. It'll be interesting to see what their game plan is coming out and then how Alabama adjusts to it. One thing that we talked about is Jermaine Burton, Isaiah Bond. More Jermaine Burton, one-on-ones, man Mm -hmm. coverage, jump balls. I would guess that that LSU will not be doing that a lot during this game. Jermaine Burton more the jump ball guy, Isaiah Bond more 
with the space creator where he's exactly. going to just beat someone down the field. It'll be interesting to see how much zone coverage they play, how much blitzing they bring, and the way that Jalen Milrow is able to read defense. As we've talked about it a couple times on this show, you know, his little bit I don't know exactly the word you want to say. Just a little bit behind yeah. you know, behind the yeah, curb in absolutely. reading the defense. Absolutely. And so It'll be a big key if he can do that. And communication issues for this LSU secondary, not playing a lot together. Will they be able to communicate? And we'll see a lot of that down the stretch and the adjustments that are made throughout this game. What do you think is the biggest key for Jalen Milrow pre-snap to make sure that he knows exactly where he's doing and Tommy Reese to communicate to him to be able to not let Harold Perkins take over this football game and pass yeah. rush if they put him in that position? Well, they're going to move him around all over the field. you got to know where he is at all times, like I said earlier. But also off of that, you got to make sure you can recognize. I think they're gonna. I think they're gonna try to blitz early. I really do, and get after Milrow a little bit and get him uncomfortable. I think that would make sense from a defensive standpoint from um, LSU. That does leave you susceptible to the big play. Um, but they're gonna be like him. Can Jalen take advantage of that? And I th- and I believe he can. But when you talk about just freshman on the outside and the kind of you know the the gelling of this offensive line as a whole um you feel good about it but this is also an LSU defense that has are they're they're playing their best football right now I mean they played Auburn and Army their last two games and they've you know they allowed I think like eight points and combined but you know Auburn Army not great offenses but it's still probably good for them to get some confidence under their belt and you heard Brian Kelly talk about it this week how his team his defense is playing the best football of the season right now we'll see they're gonna be tested a lot early Um, and I think it starts in the run game and I think that they know it starts in the run game so they're gonna they're gonna stack the box a little bit but I kind of just contradicted myself saying they're gonna they're not gonna leave their guys on islands but I think they're gonna kind of disguise what they're going to try to do. I think they're going to blitz early and maybe not stack the box, but send corner blitzes and make test them not in the minds of Jalen Milrow in this offensive line. Yeah, it's not like LSU doesn't recruit well. They have talented athletes. These guys, I'm sure, are pretty solid recruits. So it's not like they can't play. It's not like they can't match up athletically. So we will see how their game planning and their adjustments go throughout this game. We're going to take a quick break, and we will get into our X Factors, players to watch for this game, and then our predictions. Thank you all for listening. We'll be right back. WVUAFM, Tuscaloosa. Just encouraging to see a defense be able to create turnovers and momentum plays by themselves, as well as an offense who just is really really efficient on the big play and continues to be and then Jace McClellan finding his way for you know over 115 like 115 yards on 27 carries that's what you want to see and uh you know that that that's just super encouraging when you look at how Tennessee and Texas A&M their defenses are probably the strongest you're going to face in the SEC besides Georgia and then Moving into some of these weaker teams, you feel like you're more seasoned now um, if you're an Alabama fan and if you're the Alabama Crimson Tide. Yeah, I 100% agree. I thought 
we came out a little flat in the first half, especially defensively. They look unprepared. Uh, didn't look like they had watched a lot of film, honestly. I Squirrel White came out, and he was guarded in man one-on-one on the first drive of the game by Chris Braswell, 40 yards down the field. Um, so stuff like that, just from a coaching perspective, you, you kinda, you're kind of confused. And then there was a little bit – like. Brew McCoy gets hurt for Tennessee, so you should probably put more focus on Squirrel White just because you're going to think they're going to force feed him a little bit more. Um, and he went ballistic in the first half. I want to say he had like nine catches for 100 yards and a touchdown, like just in the first half alone. Uh, so we could have game planned to stop him a little better considering he was probably their best weapon on offense. Um, and we made Joe Milton look a lot better than what he had been playing the rest of the season in the first half. That being said, the second half was just a completely different team. It was kind of like the first half against Arkansas. Um, the tide looked great. I, they were moving the ball down the field well on offense, explosive plays. Um, you know, that's kind of their identity now we've seen. And then as for the defense, uh, timely play after timely play, you know, big sack after big sack. And then Jihad Campbell, of course, comes in and just changes the game. And like you said, that's probably the loudest moment I've ever experienced in Bryant Denny as well. That it was just an electric atmosphere. Yeah, and let's talk about, you know, we talked about the Tennessee rushing attack just being fantastic, being really the strong point of this Tennessee football team. And Alabama, Joe Milton was the leading rusher for Tennessee against Alabama. Jalen Wright held two yards per carry. Jabari Small, only 24 yards as well. As a team, they rushed for 3.5 per carry. You know, just talk about how well they did stopping this Tennessee rushing attack. Well, so the quarterback thing, I think just this front seven's proven that they're one of the stronger units in the country. There's no question about it. But this rushing attack, the quarterback run is going to be a huge factor today. We know that. And we saw them, you know, motion out and spread out defense. So it would get open lanes for Joe Milton who's a bigger guy than Jaden Daniels, but he's not as explosive as a runner. Jaden Daniels is a guy who killed you last year on the ground, in the second half in particular. He's playing better than pretty much any quarterback in the country. They run a similar, they're going to go fast and stuff like that. I thought Tennessee was a good preparation for that, but I think Tennessee doesn't do pretty much anything better than, uh, maybe they run the ball better, but the, the passing game for LSU is as prolific as there is in the country. So, it was a good. It was a good prepare and a, you know barometer for where you are. And you played really well in the second half, and then you got an off week. And uh, I've been hearing that Saban was getting after the guys this uh, this past week and um, getting fired up, which is great to hear. Um, you want to see them come out and play a complete game because I think if you get down, I believe the score at half was twenty to seven, right? If you get down twenty to seven at half, in particular, if you get down, I think it was what was it, thirteen nothing early, and they got a few red zone opportunities. If you're going to keep punting, turn the ball of strip sack for Jalen Milrow. If you're going to keep, if you're going to turn the ball over like that, you're not going to beat this LSU team. They're too explosive. You can't hold them, hold them out of the end zone forever. Then thirty points may just be inevitable today. But they haven't really played in terms of defenses. They haven't played anyone fantastic since. Florida State. Florida State, I think, has a pretty strong defense, but they're figuring themselves themselves out right now. They're playing as confident as they've been playing on defense, even though it's against Army and Auburn. They're still explosive on offense. They're hard to keep out of the end zone, no question about it, and that's in both run game and pass game with Logan Diggs and the Malik Neighbors and Brian Thomas' weapons everywhere. So you got to be prepared for that, and I thought Tennessee was a good preparation game for them, and they showed they showed out in the second half especially. Yeah, I think this LSU team has kind of found their identity over the last few weeks. Um, and, and like you said, Peyton, they haven't necessarily played the most impressive no. line of defenses. No. But uh, that being said, they have Jaden Daniels. And I think that 
Joe Milton did a great job preparing us kind of for uh, some some of the things we might see from LSU this week as far as quarterback runs. Um, and Joe Milton actually did kind of have his way running the ball against us. Second half, in the second especially half. kind of kept yeah. him going a little bit. I mean, it's pretty much the only semblance of offense that they were able to generate. Exactly. And he's not even – he's not nearly as fast as no. Jaden Daniels. Big or, guy. Like you said, 6'5", 240, yeah. yeah. But he's – Jaden Daniels is like a 4'4 guy. Yeah. Hard to bring down for sure. And then – as for Jaden Daniels, he his problem is just really not sliding, um, yeah. and so you know maybe you got to take advantage of that as well. Yeah, last year in the 2022 game, Jaden Daniels runs for 95, 95 yards. He was the leading rusher for LSU. You know, but this year LSU they bring in a new running back, Logan Diggs, and he's yeah, played absolutely with? fantastic. Yeah. yeah, played for Notre Dame. He was not the leading back, but you know he did have a lot of snaps. But Logan Diggs this year for LSU has played fantastic. They have been able to run the ball very well, which has complimented Jaden Daniels, and he's played a lot better as a as a passer. You know, he has that rushing attack, that um, ability to run the ball. But his actually has been on another level yeah. this year compared yeah. to last year. Because I remember a lot of people talking last year and then coming into this season. You know, how is Jaden Daniels going to be as a passer? Is he going to be able to take this LSU team and it didn't to look the good next level? Florida State. It, it did not. But since then. He has been if one of the best, if not the best quarterback the best. in the country. He has played absolutely fantastic. But let's talk about this rushing attack because it's so dynamic with Jane Daniels and Logan Diggs. And if you let this team run the football and dictate their offense, they can take deep shots with their fantastic receivers. So I think it comes down to, at first, stopping the run game. How does Alabama need to do that today? Uh, well, I, so I'm going to push back just a little bit. I think that their that they're downfield passing game, the threat of that is the opener for the run game, and, it, and that's how they are able to generate a lot of success in the run game, which I think you know they're going to be able to. And I think it's more about – I think Logan Diggs is a good running back in the in college, but I think Jaden Daniels is the most – the thing that makes you, you know, most intimidated about this team is what he can do with his legs. Because I believe in Kool Aid McKinstry, I believe in Terry on Arnold that they're going to be near, they're going to be on islands. They got to play well today. I mean, they're going to be one on one with Brian Thomas and, um, and Malik Neighbors, which is you know as good a duo in the country this year at receiver. But you got to trust your guys doing that because if you don't, then you're going to have not you're not going to have enough guys, you know with their eyes on Jaden Daniels in terms of limiting him as a, as a runner. Um, so I believe that the defensive line, they're playing, uh, they're playing, they, you know, after, before the bye, they were playing their best football, um, especially the guys in the interior like Justin Aboibi and Jaheim Otis. Those guys are playing their best football right now. I believe in them to stop the run first, but it's about limiting the big plays and what the big plays do to your defense in terms of, you know, making you, you know, kind of susceptible to uh, ground attack off that. So I think it's about limiting big plays early, getting after Jaden Daniels, making sure you don't lose eyes on him, and, you know, you don't play man coverage, everyone turns their back to him. And Chris Braswell and Dallas Turner setting that edge, not allowing the rushing lanes, not getting too far upfield, not getting beat outside, you know, going inside. So I think it's more about that first and limiting that because I believe that they're going to try to, you know, you saw the way Tennessee came out. I was kind of surprised by it. There were bombs, you know, kind of bombs away. And Joe Milton looked great, but he made him uncomfortable. And every, I say it every week, every quarterback in college, if you get pressure in their face, you get pressure on these edges and make them uncomfortable they will fold. most of them will fold there are a few exceptions but college quarterbacks these guys are like 21 20 years old you know put disguise some looks get pressure in their face and I think Kevin Steele's gonna done a very good job of that the last few weeks 
Yeah, I, I think so too. I think one of the biggest keys for the game for us this week is probably just to not get down early. We kind of talked a little bit about that, getting down 13-0 and then 20-7 to to Tennessee. I, I, I don't know if we're necessarily built to come back from down uh, substantial leads week in, week out. And I don't know if LSU is built to give up substantial leads. Right. Um, this offense is too explosive. I, they're number one in the country in yards per game. Um, they and score, points. Yeah, and yeah they score like 45 points a game. Uh, this team is legit. And then another threat that, I mean, probably doesn't even get talked about enough is that Neighbors and Thomas are both top five to ten receivers in the SEC as a whole. Um, Jaden Daniels has found his guys this year. Neighbors plays like a really physical play style. Um, it suits them well. And, I mean, they've just found the end zone all year. Yeah, one thing about their offense being fantastic, when we see great offenses and great defenses, they're going to get their yards. They're going to find yeah. ways to make plays. They're too talented to do that. You're not going to be able to, you know, do what they did against Leonard Fournette and shut mm. them down to yeah. under 100 yards. <laughs> they're going to get their yards. A huge key to this game will be red zone defense. Alabama's red zone defense has not been great, has not been bad. It's been It was great solid. last week, or not last week, two weeks ago, in the first half, limiting that kind of yes. early start. And you can't get off to, like we've said, you can't get off to that side. That's sort of a start, but it was good to see that. It'll be, yes. So red zone defense for sure. And if they can force a couple turnovers, will be huge. First, or secondly, we've talked a lot about man coverage, bump and run from these cornerbacks. Do you think we'll see more of an adjustment to go to zone uh, to find a way to stop Jaden Daniels running the ball? Or do you think it'll be more of man coverage with a QB spy with one of the yeah, linebackers? Yeah, so I think so. Alabama's been predicated throughout the years on that bump and run man coverage styles. I think they stick with that today. Malik Neighbors, you know, he's a very interesting player because he, I think he's looked so much better this year than he did last year to me. The versatility that he has is a physical, he's a physical player. He's fast. He's got nice ball skills. He's a very good route runner. Like, he's very, very good uh, an all-around, uh, well-rounded receiver. And Brian Thomas on the other side is just a big, imposing, you know, physical guy guy but if you stop him I think bump and run is the best way to play him because I think Terry on Arnold can run with him no question but you got to prevent him from getting you know getting picking up speed because he's a guy that needs kind of room to get started when you're talking about like his speed um, so if you get physical with him you get under him then you're gonna you're, you know you're gonna be able to limit him down the field and so I think they're gonna be manned up on that outside and then QB spies and you know, keeping your eyes in the backfield, you got to make sure to do that. There's no question. But I think I don't think zone coverage would be the way to go against this team. Yeah, I completely agree. I, I don't think we would leave uh, what we've kind of, like you said, predicated our season on. Anyways, I also think that we're going to trust our guys in this one. Um, while LSU has great receivers, we have a great secondary this year. I think Downs will bring good help over the top, kind of like he did against A and M. Um, and I think. Like, sorry, like you said, uh, just kind of jamming them at the line, not letting them pick up that speed, uh, not letting them get downfield. Slow easily. down his release. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's going to be pretty important today, especially for Arnold and Kool Aid, because they're going to be tested. Well, they go, you know, that's what LSU does. They do that those nine routes. They just do they do a lot of vertical stuff down the left side, down the right side. And Jane Daniels has been extremely accurate in doing so. So you got to be on your game. There's no question. Yeah, and you talked already a little bit about getting pressure. And if you're trying to throw the deep ball, you got to have time to be able to throw the right. ball, let those routes develop. Right now, Alabama's ranked ninth in sack percentage um, as a defense. and But LSU has been really solid oh, you yeah, know, pass protection. Line, yeah. Their offensive line has played very well. Do you think we'll see more blitzes, less blitzes, disguised blitzes? What do you think is the key for Kevin Steele to ramp up the pressure for the defense? I do think disguised blitzes, and I think that you know you got to – depend on Dallas Turner and Chris Braswell to set an edge but also you can also replace with your outside linebackers and trying to get 
you know, make sure you have that outside contain. So you can you can you can still stun up some stuff on the front four, but you got to make sure those guys in the back end or the you know the linebacking core is not you know they're not getting off their mark and let, opening these big run games or run holes, gaps, whatever you want to call them. You got to be able to blitz and then replace where you know those guys uh the gaps that they're blitzing through so it's yeah disguising those looks and giving him different looks making sure he doesn't have time uh, to throw all day because that i think that that pass protection success that lsu's had is uh you know has a lot to do with jane dale's threat as a runner and how you're you, know, you have to contain and you have to keep eyes <clears> on him um so that's going to naturally give you more time but you're going to have to disguise some stuff and give him some different looks because you can't just sit back and you know drop you know, only rush three, you know, just contain all the way. I mean, they did that against, you know, Texas, Tennessee last year. I mean, that's how you get beat down the field. So, yeah, getting pressure in his face is definitely an important part. Yeah, his ability to run uh, kind of forces defenses to play a little more laxed um, as far as pass pressure goes. And, it, and like we just talked about, that kind of opens up Brian Thomas. His release is better. League neighbors, they're getting down the field quicker. Um, kind of open up that passing game for them. We got to do a good job of keeping that spy today, uh, making sure Jaden Daniels doesn't have time to see the pressure coming from the edges and step up into the pocket and make a play on his own. Yeah, we've seen a huge you know, growth of Kevin Steele as this defensive coordinator this season. We saw early on that Texas game the inability to get pressure and the ability to Quinn Ears to sit there and throw those deep balls. And he's done fantastic through the season with against Jackson Dart and in the second half against Joe Milton and against Texas A&M when our offense wasn't playing particularly well. They were able to stop the Texas A&M offense and really capitalize on some big turnovers. So we'll see how that defense does in this game. We're going to take a quick break. We will be right back talking more about this game and get into Jalen Miro in the offense and what they need to do to get this W tonight in Brian Day Stadium. Thank you all for tuning in. WVUAFM, Tuscaloosa. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to 90.7 The Capstone. This is the game day show live on the University of Alabama here in Tuscaloosa, which will be hosting the LSU Tigers tonight at 6.45 p.m. in Bryant-Denny Stadium. We thank you all for listening. And now we're going to jump into this LSU versus Alabama game. X factors for this game, players to watch. Who are we going to talk about later tonight? as the biggest contributor, you know, biggest highlight of this game that helped Alabama win this football game? Um, I think I think we're going to talk about Jermaine Burton or Isaiah Bond, one of the two. Um, it, you're going to have to have success with them if you're going to win this game. And then also the job that Kool-Aid does on Malik Neighbors, I believe, will be impressive. I, Malik, he kind of got him a little bit last year, a few times in that second half. Uh, I think Kool-Aid will be ready for this one for sure. And, you know, he's been uh, as solid as you can be possibly. I mean, this year he's basically takes away of a side of the field, which you love when um, LSU's as successful as they are down the field. I think it's going to be – I think Malachi Moore is going to be one that we're looking at because he's going to be tasked with going against Kyron Lacey, and there's going to be a lot of space. And Lacey is their kind of their slot guy. He's a very he's very fast, very strong route runner. Um, not strong-handed, but very very sure route runner. I'm gonna, I'm very interested to see the job that they do. And then, as always, or in a game like this, Deontay Lawson is 
extreme. I, I said two weeks ago with Jihad Campbell, who ended up playing, you know, being the SEC player of the week, all victory lap just a little bit, but uh, said he'd be a big factor because of what they can do in the run game and how they spread you out and uh, how you got to, you know, load up. You got to be strong at linebacker to do that. It's kind of, it's a little different now. They're going to spread you out, LSU, but they're going to try to take you down the field. And Jalen Daniels is going to, you know, get after, you know, get around and try to uh, scramble around a little bit. You got to have speed at linebacker to keep up with him. And Deontay Lawson is um, the, probably the fastest, line, or de- definitely the fastest linebacker Alabama has, and uh, the best one as well. So I think he's got to have a career game, one where we're, it's like he's played great this season. We know that, but like a coming out party, and like this is this is his time. This is his turn to take that step into the next great Alabama linebacker as a sophomore this is the game for him to do it and it's uh, you know it's the biggest challenge for him yet yeah 100% agree um, just you know something random adding on to that I just recently seen Reuben Foster highlights you know with LSU coming up you you like to think of Reuben Foster um, just absolutely leveling Leonard Fournette they dominated that whole game it'd be nice to see some sort of dominance um, like that at the linebacker position today um, stopping that run game eliminating the run um, not just from Logan Diggs but from Jaden Daniels as well I think the linebackers are going to be a big part but all in all I think that uh, if we are to win this game today and contain that LSU offense, it's going to be a lot of serious hype around Kool-Aid McKinstry after this one because the recipe for that is uh, handling Malik Neighbors and keeping him under control. Um, say if Malik Neighbors gets less than four or five catches, then yeah, and, and granted Kool-Aid uh, is shadowing him the whole game. I think that's going to build a lot of hype around Kool-Aid. Um, I think I think that's probably going to be who we're talking about after this one. You know, I'm not going to go with a player. I'm going to go with a point of uh, aspect of the game, and I think it's open field tackling. Open field tackling on Jaden Daniels, on Logan Diggs, on um, which was so bad, which was so poor in the second half last year. It's it's a good point because like that's how LSU kind of got going offensively. A lot of missed tackles. Yeah, a lot of that's a lot of how they want to run their offense. Obviously, they have the big shots, but they want to get those read option plays yeah. on the outside, try to get their guys in open space. Space, yeah. And we saw that against Texas. We saw a lot of open field tackling and opportunities for it. I didn't really see a ton of it against Tennessee. They were more of, you know, Joe Milton's a pretty tough guy to tackle. Right. We didn't have a ton of run after catch from a lot of their other players. But that will be a huge part of the game. And I think it's going to be offensive line play and just finding where Harold Perkins is as a big part yeah. of it and finding a way to stop that. And so another thing about LSU's offense is their ability to, you know, bring a lot of receivers out there for four receivers, spread it out. We will see maybe sometimes their ability for the Alabama defense to switch up their packages, run the nickel set, run the sixth defensive back set. Yep. We might see some of Trey Amos get him in the game as well. And um, who's the other defensive back that I'm thinking of? Key. Jalen Key Jaylen as Jaylen well. Key. So we'll see them in the game. But another thing about them two weeks ago, we saw post-game conferences talking about it being a personal game for this Alabama team. And obviously coming into this year or this game as well, it's pretty personal from that loss last week. How much do you think that will be, you know, motivation for both teams and motivation for these Alabama players that were in the game last year? Yeah, I think that it will be a big factor. And I think this it's just this game and last year, it mirrors a lot of what last year was, the two teams with the same records. But I think it mirrors a lot more to me. I think it's just this this season feels uh, like 
it, it feels like what you want to see is like the 2015 season where you start out with the early loss and then LSU, like LSU comes to town and they got the Heisman favorite on their team, which J.D. Nails, I would say, is. Um, and you got to treat it like that because this, this team's better than a two-loss team, I think. Um, if they had They're lo- ranked be- a lot better than a two-loss well, they sh- team. Well, I mean, they should be, I, as they should be. They're <laughs> somehow ranked below Missouri, even though they beat them at home by 10. Um, but that's, you know, the value of one loss versus two loss. Um, I do believe that if they had gotten that squeaked out that win against Ole Miss, then they would be probably you know in that top probably top ten range, right neck and neck with Alabama. But um, this is a game where it's like it's got to have that sort of feel to it, where you know you just want to dominate and you want to show the country this is the, this is a national stage now. We've been flying under the radar a little bit, you know. You've, you've been since Texas, you lose to Texas, you've been flying under the radar a little bit. The hype's building back up. This is the game where you got to prove it and prove that. You know, play your best game. Play a complete game. I mean, for dear Lord, play a complete game. I mean, you can't play half a football game like you have been against A&M, against Ole Miss, against Tennessee. you got to be able to play better than that early on. So um, you're exactly right, though. I mean, the, the, big, the, the big factor is limiting LSU early and then the offensive line protecting off of that. But I just the, the, mirror, the mirroring of the 2015 season, it feels a little – it just this game feels a little similar to that, even though LSU it was like a top four team. I believe they were undefeated at the time when they were, but with Leonard Fournette. But uh, not the same here, but still a, a strong – I mean, a team with – a playoff contender still, if they're able to squeak out, you know, run the table, um, you know, and be an SEC champion. But uh, two lo- the, as good a two-loss team as you can find in the country, no question about it. Yeah, for sure. I think this – I was thinking last night this LSU team kind of reminds me a little bit of last year's Alabama team minus the close losses. I'd say more so just because it's a two-loss team that might be out of playoff contention, but down the seat line of the but season. But they're still a line – they, they, they don't need help. Down. Like, you know, last year when Alabama picked up their second loss, they needed LSU to pick up yeah. two losses, and they lost against A&M. They squeaked out a win against Arkansas. But they still control their own destiny to a degree. I mean, if they went out beat Alabama, they're on top of the SEC West. They control their, you know, they control the SEC West – They'll be able to get to Georgia or Atlanta. Yeah, I'd say they probably need one of Oklahoma they, they, they and Texas do. to they lose do. another game. They do. They do. Um, they need a little bit of help, but but yeah, yeah. All in all, the point being, nobody in the country wants to play LSU no. right now, not no. just Alabama. No. Um, and another thing, I love the revenge, um, you know, kind of mindset being within the team. But when it gets out into the media like this, I feel like it's fuel to the fire for these other teams too. It looked like Tennessee came out, you know, more fired up in that game than we were. Um, you had Joe Milton talking before the game. A lot of Tennessee guys, they, they came out ready to play. You know, this gets to them too. Um, and I think that we, we've kind of set this tone for them that they think, oh, you know, Alabama just thinks we beat them on a fluke last year. We're going to come in and, and try to do uh, have the same success that we had before. Um, that being said, though, I think this one's going to just be a shootout. Um, and, yeah, I, it's going to be a, it's going to be a tough game. For sure. Would you like to give us your prediction, Caden? Uh, I'm going to go 38-31 Alabama. And this might be a little bit of a hot take, but don't be surprised if this one goes into overtime. We've seen some classic Alabama-LSU sure overtime games. For my heart. But yeah. I, could, I could see <laughs> this one being being an OT classic. Yeah. And Peyton, you want to give us your prediction Yeah, I got, well? I got 41-33. Um, I think the defense looks a lot better than 33 points. You know, that, that's a big number. And LSU has some big plays, but it's just – 
great def- great offense will beat great defense every time in this this day and age. And I think we're late enough into the season. You kind of see this in all levels of football where early on defenses are able to have a lot more success because offenses aren't like adjusted. They haven't gone through, you know, enough game speed and um, they're kind of playing slower now. Teams, it's what is it, week 11 now? I mean, teams are starting to catch their stride, no question. And offensively, I think both Alabama and well, LSU obviously has a, the top unit in the country, but Alabama playing their best football right now offensively. Um, I, I'd say for sure, coming off their best half of, of any game all season. So the momentum off that, you got to show it wasn't a fluke. You got to play a whole game. Like we said earlier, getting down 20 to 7, not going to work in the first half. So you're going to have to take advantage of a weak def- a weaker defense in terms of experience. Um, still athletic, like you said, Nazari. They're still got, they got athletic guys. It's not like they're a bunch of scrubs out there. They're not. This is not a defense. They might be ranked outside the top 100 and some things, but in terms of players and talent, LSU's not going to trot out a t- uh, you know, outside top 100 defense ever. They're going to have the recruits that are athletic enough. It's just been bad at times. Um, guys like Greg, you know, Greg Penn III at linebacker. He's a, 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 their Mike linebacker, their leading tackler, their leader, their signal caller all on defense. And then you don't have Makai Wingo, but uh, Mason Smith on the interior, 6'6", 3'10", really athletic guy. That's going to be uh, a test at least. He hasn't put up big stats, but it's going to be a test at least for an interior offensive line that we can see struggle at times with Seth McLaughlin, who I've heard is going through a little bit of shoulder stuff on his snap arm which is you know that has maybe has something to do with the, the inaccuracy of snaps and then also um, an experienced player like Jaden Roberts uh, he's played really well so far and you know against Tennessee which is uh, one of the best pass rushers in the entire country they neutralized it a little bit in the second half um, they're playing their best right now and I believe Jaden Roberts they found a player there in season with that switch that um, can fill in a lot stronger but it's got to keep uh, continue it's got to it can't be fluky and um, now you got to take advantage you can't get down early you can't rely on your defense to get stops for you and put you in good positions um, keep this offense keep this Jane Daniels offense off the field if they're going to get the ball they're going to receive the ball coming out they're going to score a touchdown and then we're going to punt and that's where things look troubling for sure yeah no one thing Nick Saban talked about um, in his press conference was Caden Proctor and his ability to the reason he was playing better was to stop thinking and just play. And I think that's what it comes down to early on in this game, coming out with fire and just playing with a lot of passion early on in this game. And a huge thing, we talked about it in different variations, but staying ahead of the chains so that the LSU defense is not allowed to just dictate whether they want to blitz because it's a passing yeah. down or whether they Force don't want to blitz. Things, yeah. So that's going to be a huge key to this game. And obviously, offensive line come out with a lot of fire and just bully this defensive line and, and just run the football. And so that game will be taking place at 6.45 tonight. We will all be there, I believe, right? Uh, absolutely. Yep. Brian Day Stadium. Right there. We'll be rocking prime time. We cannot wait. We thank you all for listening to the first hour of our show. We will be back in just a few minutes to talk about the rest of college football. We'll talk about last week's games a little bit. Kansas upsetting Oklahoma. Also, the Oregon Ducks looked fantastic at Utah. We also get into some games this week, such as Kansas State at Texas. And, of course, the other big one in the SEC, the Missouri Tigers at the Georgia Bulldogs. Thank you all for listening. We'll be right back. WVUAFM, Tuscaloosa.
Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to 90.7 The Capstone. This is the game day show live on the University of Alabama. I am Nazario Pangal here with my partners Peyton Davis and Caden Johnson. We just got done talking about the LSU versus Alabama game. We are going to jump into all of college football and begin our talk with not a football game, but a football team. The Michigan football team fired their recruiting analyst, Connor Stallions, who was found. There's pictures and videos all over social media of a newfound picture of him on the sideline of the Central Michigan-Michigan State game in Central Michigan coaching attire. And he also has been found with glasses that seem to have a camera implanted on them. There's also videos of him taking videos of the opponent's sidelines. It gets crazier by the day. They're (laughs) just... Basically, the whole point of it is to steal the signs of the other team so that they will have an advantage and know the signs of all the teams that they are playing against. Um, Yeah, what do we think of this? Is this how big of a deal is this for Michigan? And, you know, will something happen to them? Yeah, I think it's uh, it's becoming a bigger deal as we move forward with it. It's kind of a progressing story. Uh, You talked about, like, how the Central Michigan picture came out. Um, It's just ridiculous, too, just because that 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 – not only looks bad on Michigan, obviously, because it's cheating, but it also looks bad on Central Michigan. You're making a lot of stadium workers and staff uh, just kind of look unprofessional because their coach even came out and said in a presser after the game, like, yeah, we don't know who that is. Like, like he wasn't like a, a guy with a pass on the field. Like, he, it's just he's just a dude that's on the field um, wearing with Central glasses Michigan at, coaching at 7 o'clock at night. Yeah, <laughs> and then you, you've got, like, I, th- I think the reports have said over the last – um, you know, as he's been employed, he's purchased tickets to, I think, 30. Um, I believe he tried to venues. hire other people yeah, to no, do it did. as well. He, he, he was bringing other people that he knew or sending other people that he knew um, to some of these games. You don't games. think he's just an avid college football fan? He just likes to go into every game? Yes. So. <laughs> yeah. And, and yeah, I guess he doesn't have DVR, yeah. so he has to record them on his own. He yeah. keeps his own tapes. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, yeah, Stallions was making – Connor Stallions is his name, by the way. He was making um, – like in the mid fifties, uh, thousands, a thousands of dollars a year. I was just talking to them about um, kind of ironic. His LinkedIn profile page, as of May 2022, stated he uses quote Marine Corps philosophies and tactics to identify the opponent's most likely course of action and most dangerous course of action. So uh, you can kind of like connect some dots and tell me what you think that means. Well, he's, he's accusing the Marine Corps of stealing signs, yeah. apparently. But yeah, so this guy, ex-military. Uh, basically goes to Harbaugh and he's like, yeah, I've got, I've got a way to um, make something happen. You know, I, I've got a way to, um, to I don't know, just game plan better for other teams. And I, I guess it's not the worst thing in the world to um, sign steal, you know, during the game. But once you bring technology into it, I think that's where well, yeah, uh, that's, a lot that's, more people have a problem. That's the line. That's, that's yeah. cheating. So when you, you talk know. about, like, these sort of things, you think of the Houston Astros back in 2017. They have... They're stealing signs. Stealing signs is a part of any sport. Mm-hmm. It, you know, pitchers tipping, tipping pitches, whether it's hand signals being exposed and stuff like that. And people found ways to get around that and stuff with these, uh, you know, obscure signs that have a bunch of different random c- cartoon characters or whatnot on it. But um, using when you're talking about the, like the Houston Astros, the trash can banging, everyone knows about that. They had cameras installed in center field to get and a view and buzzers yeah. to get a view of the pitchers and the coaches and the managers whatever signs were being were being you know trying to be hidden by the uh, 
by whatever the whoever Dodgers. was pitching at the Dodgers or whoever yeah. would have you. They were you know any sign that you they were trying to hide from Houston from seeing they could see from that outfield camera and that's where things get dicey and that's where cheating gets you know obvious when you're using technology to gain a competitive advantage and uh there's an incriminating video as well that i saw where it's like a, a field view of the ohio state michigan game and um cj stroud makes a check at the line of scrimmage or something like that with some sort of hand signal and the entire michigan sideline all just starts pointing in the sky and doing stuff like this and that so obviously there's something there and it's very incriminating and by the day it seems more re- ridiculous and like how did they ever think they were going to be able to get away get away with something like this but what started as something where i was like well they'll probably get a few years probation and stuff like that and nothing too major harbaugh gets his extension pulled and they have a the um, big 10 ad's have a group um tony patetti and also in the the commissioner and the ad's of the entire conference as well as the three pac-12 teams that are joining next year or four pac-12 teams i believe they have a conference about you know, kind of just getting a handle and feel for this whole thing. And uh, I heard it was heated. I heard it was tense in that on that Zoom call, and I emotional. bet it was emotional as well, which is ridiculous. Just this whole thing just yeah. sounds ridiculous. But nothing. I I don't. I if I were to tell you know, try to educate a, a, an average college football fan on stuff like this, I would say you know you gotta wait till the off season to see these things play out because it's an in season investigation. As weeks go by, we get later in the season, and we're almost a conference champion chip play and like are they is Tony Patay really going to have enough evidence to be like all right Michigan to you're not on the hammer you yeah. can't go to the playoff this year you can't do this and that um I don't believe that happens in the next offseason though you could see major repercussions whether that's a, a death penalty I don't know if I see that far maybe I don't I don't think I could see that far but Jim Harbaugh who's a guy who's probably looking well he had an extension in line to make him one of the highest paid coaches for the next few years in the all of college football that gets pulled he's got his eyes set on the nfl a little bit maybe a monitoring the uh, bears head coaching job maybe um but it's gonna this is something that could impact the rest of his career whatever however this plays out it is alleged that Michigan has been gauging in this since 2021. Since t- 2021, the Wolverines have lost just three games and are currently on an unbeaten run. And, you know, looking that they're probably going to make the Big Ten Championship and college football playoff. Well, apparently the in, the, in their year. playoff games against Georgia and TCU, they didn't have any of the signs. It was, uh, apparently. Okay, when they got I, out of Big 12, when they got out of Big Ten play, is that ironic? I don't know. Is that, but they got out of Big Ten play, they don't have as much. See, I had heard a rumor. I, I'm not sure the credibility of this but I, I did see a rumor like contrary to that that said that Ohio TCU State tipped it. off TCU okay. saying hey ah. it's been uh, like multiple big team teams coaches called TCU uh, before the game and said hey like they've known all of our signs like right off the bat in these games and the TCU coaches TCU had coaches giving their normal signs as a decoy with other coaches on the sidelines giving the real signs uh, yeah. during that well, game. Well, you know, it's just it's it is interesting to think think about because we would just think of mi- these Michigan teams as just going to the playoff and just folding. Yeah. Because against Georgia they just folded. Yeah. And I guess it makes sense because you can stay in Big Ten country if you're Connor Stallions and stuff like that. And um, you know, you don't want to like 
broad yourself too far outside yeah. of Big Ten. I don't I don't know. It's it's something interesting to think about. I don't know how much of an impact it has, but we're just kind of speculating here with those three losses that they've had over the last what was it, two, three years? Two, three years. Yeah. I mean, that's a you know, it's been unbelievable. They've they've dominated. Their team is great. I think their team just in general is very good this year in terms of like returning starters and stuff like that and uh, what have you. But this is something again that could follow you. And they got their biggest game of the season next week will be in Happy Valley, Penn State. A lot of noise around. Are they focused? Stuff like that's an external factor. Penn State doesn't look great right now. We'll see. But something interesting to think about. After Connor Stallings is suspension and event- eventual, you know they he they call it a resignation by him. Harbaugh did come out with a statement. He said, "I do not have any knowledge of, or information regarding the University of Michigan football program illegally stealing signals, mm. nor have I directed any staff member or others to participate in an off-campus scouting assignment." Ha- you know, do what you may with that. I don't think comment, anyone. Anyone. <laughs> that is his comment. We digress. Yeah. We are going to move on to last week's football games. The biggest one of last week, to me, uh, it was a shocker, especially because Jalen Daniels was not even starting for Kansas. Kansas pulls off their first win against Oklahoma in almost 20 years. Kansas wins 38-33 touchdown, game-winning touchdown with 55 seconds left to knock off the top-ranked Sooners. What do we have to think about Oklahoma after this stunning upset? Well, this is like this kind of encapsulates the turnaround of the Kansas program because the way that they've schemed and the way that they kind of run their offense is all it's it's to what the football you know uh, truther or um, you know someone who's been around the game for a while would call uh, uh, gimmicky. It's a lot of misdirection and um, you know advantage of space and trying to get on the edges and you know getting a step ahead of your guys and whatever and it's it's worked in terms of you know them making themselves a viable program they're uh you know they're in the i, I believe they're in the top 20 they, they've made the top 22 25. i believe 22, 22 yeah, yeah. actually sense. 21 i think and jason beam a guy well you, th- you look at this game and if you, you said going in they're at home they're a nine point um, home dog, but there's a rain delay in the middle of it, which they were winning still. Yeah, I was about to they say, were still the dominating. Delay, if anything, probably hurt. It probably them, did hurt yeah. them. It really did, and that's something where it's interesting. Like that's not an excuse there. And when you t- when I told if I told you that Jalen Daniels is not going to start and Jason Beam the backup is going to go 15 to 32 for 200 yards and two picks, you'd be like, okay, well Oklahoma covers and they win by a lot, but. It wasn't great from Oklahoma's offensively, especially through the air, and it was a rainy day. It was kind of a slippery day for them, and Dylan Gabriel didn't look great. But uh, they ran the ball with success. It's just a game that kind of got away with them from them late, and even though it, when it looked like they were going to pull it, pull through and escape with a win, um, they put together uh, Kansas puts together a great game-winning drive. They're uh, Devin Neal, shout out Devin Neal, yes, shout out Daniel Hinshaw Jr. and Jason Beam. Those guys are all extremely dynamic with the ball in their hands. And this guy, Jason Beam, is, I mean, what, where he lacks in passing, he gains and run. I mean, I think he had his top speed he reached on his touchdown run was like 22 and a half miles per hour. Like, that's unbelievable. Um, a big athlete like him. And, uh, yeah, I mean, for Oklahoma, it's a disappointing loss because now you kind of look – vulnerable in the eyes of the committee the big 12 looks a little more vulnerable and now if you so say you go to the big 12 championship and you face texas and you beat them again your best your best win all year is texas twice which is really really that's strong that's strong and it might be but is it strong enough to get in the playoff It, it will we'll see it might be um but i think texas if texas were to 
in that Big 12 championship, championship hypothetical that everyone kind of foresees happening, which would be awesome, that rematch, Texas gets them that time, and they win. Then their resume is they beat the team that beat them, and they beat Alabama at home or in Bryant-Denny Stadium. So that's, a to me, a lot stronger of a resume, obviously, um, than Oklahoma would have. So I think Texas would sneak in the playoff at that point. But I digress. This game, though, is telling just from a standpoint of Oklahoma just got kind of caught lacking early and then couldn't recover late with their offense and to me even though it's a really they have a really really good team and a really well-rounded team their offense is a little limited because of the they lack explosiveness in a way even though I mean the way Dylan Gabriel played against Texas was phenomenal but we don't, I don't know if he's that quarterback every week so they lack explosiveness, especially through the air. They're strong on the on the ground. They're gonna they're gonna beat you with defense, and they're gonna beat you on the ground, and uh, you know pushing you around. But when they get you know that that leaves you susceptible to when you are falling asleep early and you go down early, um, that you have to come back from a large deficit against at, on the road in a you know rainy environment like that leaves you vulnerable if you're kind of limited in that capacity. Yeah, I think it's a monumental loss for the Big 12 just because I think it played them out of controlling their own destiny right. for a right. playoff spot. Like you said, They could have had an opportunity for two teams if Oklahoma went undefeated yeah. in oh, the oh, yeah. season. Yeah, and it's just tough um, because you kind of get sold on these Big 12 teams like this and then they just kind of fall apart, similar to like Pac-12, which we'll talk about that later. Pac-12 is in the process of doing that um, right now. With Washington's Washington trying very hard. Yeah, to exactly. Do that. So, but yeah, Oklahoma. I, this is really bad, just because Kansas did not have a great game. Uh, this isn't. This wasn't a game that Kansas probably deserved to pull off an upset with. Jason Bean is not necessarily sustainable. Like they need Daniel. Give him back. credit, but yeah, yeah, I'll give him credit. But the the pick he the second pick he threw to. Um, I don't know if it was Stutzman that picked it off, but it was one of the Oklahoma linebackers. It was a terrible pick. Like, just puts it right into his hands. I, it's um, like we haven't really – we've seen Jason Bean play a lot these yeah. last few years, and we haven't seen much improvement. Yeah, exactly. And that's, and that's what's really mind-boggling is that he's I, I fifth or sixth-year player um, yeah. throwing picks to a linebacker at the line of scrimmage yeah. So in the crunch time. So, yeah, that's not sustainable, especially for them moving forward. Um, kind of off-topic, but they, they have Iowa State today, who's a great team, and I, I think they could um, – that Kansas hype could go right back down today. I think they could easily lose that one. They, yeah. They're underdogs at Iowa State. Yep. They are. Dogs, okay, so. then, yeah, I was I was already thinking, you know, I'm, I'm actually feeling Iowa State in that one. But um, – yeah, as for Oklahoma, I think this is pretty detrimental to them. Dylan Gabriel wasn't really able to get it going. Uh, Kansas kind of had their number. They had they did establish the run pretty well. Uh, Gabriel had three rushing touchdowns. But, yeah, as far as the passing game, they're going to have to be a lot more dynamic than that moving forward, especially when they play Texas again with that front seven that they have. Another game from last week was Oregon absolutely dominates Utah, 35-6. to That was, I believe, or- or Utah's first loss at home since, I believe, 2019, mm. if I'm not mistaken. Yep. And this game, this game was never close. Yep. This game was never close. They outgained Utah 390-241. to Bo Nix, efficient as always, 24 for 31, two touchdowns, no picks. Bucky Irving, over 100 total yards of offense. They ran for over five yards per carry. They did not allow a sack. They held Utah to 2.8 yards per carry. Picked off Bryson Barnes twice. Fantastic performance by Oregon. And the more that we keep watching Oregon and the more that Washington keeps playing, yeah. we sit and say really the better team. Oregon yeah. looks like the better team yeah. without a doubt, even though they lost to yeah. Washington. But coaching. You know, 
Coaching was a lot of that. I feel like those decision makings on that fourth down is really just haunting them but, the rest of their season. But and then I think this is kind of a, a telling game because Utah we see kind of sneak under the radar yep. in, in the Pac-12, but they always have an advantage on the offensive and defensive line, the line of scrimmage, and they p- push teams around. And Cam Rising's been great and all that. And I believe that Cam Rising would have had a factor in this game, but I don't know if it would have been a big one because Oregon up front defensively and on their offensive line and defensive line and how efficient they are on offense and how they don't make mistakes, they don't shoot themselves in the foot, and they're just complimentary everywhere. Uh, they're as complete a team in the country as they're – like that. I believe that this is a, a Pac-12 team that could be a factor in the playoff uh, more so than Washington, and that's what I believed before that Washington-Oregon game. They, they fall apart late. Michael Penix, you know, comes up big. But, I mean, it, it has not looked good since then for Washington. They have – you know, escaped by the skin of their teeth, especially la- the worst two teams in the Pac-12. Yeah, the worst two teams <laughs> yeah. in the Pac-12, especially Arizona State. If they hadn't thrown that pick six, then they were driving. They were right there. And Stanford is really bad. Like and Stanford's really, really bad really, as well. Really and they, yeah, then they were. And Stanford's getting up and down the field on them. I mean, that was a game yeah. where Penix played better in terms of not, you know, being as bad as he was against Arizona State. But um, still, not an impressive win there. So. Um, I believe Washington is open this week. Or then they have USC. Well, USC. We'll talk USC. about that later. We'll talk about yeah, that later. Yeah, we will. That is an interesting um, one. Two teams that are not playing very well right now. But Oregon, like I said, very complimentary team, very, very well-rounded team, and a team that could be a factor, I believe, when they run the table and beat and win the Pac-12. Yeah, lots lots to take away from Oregon in this game. I think Bucky Irving is, I mean, just awesome, for lack of better words. If you watch Oregon play, uh, you'll oftentimes see these drives where it's literally just Bucky Irving left, Bucky, Bucky Irving right, uh, Irving in the flat. Like, he, he can touch the ball seven times on a drive and be good to go. Um, he's so explosive. He's so good at creating space. He's so good at getting out into space. Troy Flan- Franklin, also a really underrated yeah. receiver on the national stage. Exactly. Um, and then even Trayshawn Holden's had a little bit of an impact Nine. for them this year. <laughs> a little bit of an impact for them this year. Uh, but, yeah, as for Utah, I think this is just kind of an exposed game. I, I personally saw this one coming just because playing with that uh, the freshman quarterback, their quarterback play has been really rough this year, even in the games that they have won, like Baylor and Florida, in the games that they've uh, skimped out. It USC. has not been because of quarterback play. Also, another former Alabama player, Kyrie Jackson, quietly yeah. kind of made a name for himself a little bit on that Oregon defense yep. playing playing he actually got a decent amount of reps here too yeah yeah yeah. Yeah. yeah he did he did and he was uh I believe he was the one who got beat yep. in the championship on the yes. on the go route to um AD Mitchell um seems like a generation ago but that was just two years ago so it's good to see Kyrie Jackson kind of you know rounding out his game and uh finding his way in college football because he's played great this year All right, we are going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we are going to preview some Week 10 games for you guys. Thank you all for listening. We'll be right back. WVUA-FM, Tuscaloosa. And we are back live here on the University of Alabama. This is 90.7, the capstone, and this is the game day show. I'm Nazario Pangalo here with Caden Johnson and Peyton Davis. We are going to dive into some Week 10 matchups, multiple top 25 matchups this week, starting at 11 a.m. The Kansas State Wildcats are ranked number 22nd in the country, heading to number 7, Texas. Texas playing without Quinn Ewers. Malik Murphy will be the starter, and... 
We have a great matchup on our hands. Only a three and a half point line here at home for Texas. Yeah. At yeah. home, only favored by three and a half. Do you guys believe the Kansas State could pull off an upset? It's kind of a shocking line if you kind of if you were to you know look at this game a few weeks back when Kansas State picked up at I believe it was a Friday night or Thursday night loss to um, at Oklahoma State, which is a tough environment, of course. But um, ever since then, Kansas State's been playing some of the best football in the Big Twelve, and uh, they have experience. We know Kansas State always kind of. In, I mean, they won the Big Twelve last year when no one thought they would after they blew that lead to TCU. Um, but they always si- seem to find themselves there with just solid play, solid coaching, run the football, all of this, uh, and even without Deuce Vaughn this year. But um, they're playing some really, really good football right now, and it's reflected in this line, three and a half. That would have them as a uh, kind of substantial home uh, home favorite. favorite yeah. I believe I would have them at a three-point home favorite. Mm-hmm. So that's, you know, when you look at that, these the Vegas values these as equal team or uh, kind of, you know, equivalent teams with Malik Murphy, a quarterback, um, who's been steady but not too early great. turnovers and played yeah, well after that last it's, week. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's it's kind of too early to tell on him. I think he's got a lot of talent, but they're gonna obviously it's gonna be running the ball. Jonathan Brooks is gonna be you know get, getting after them in the run game um, and establishing that early, but. Um, yeah, Texas has kind of looked vulnerable ever since Ewers went down. And even with Ewers, they uh, you know survived, have survived. They survived against Houston, and Kent State blew out Houston just a few weeks back. So it's gonna be an interesting one. I think Kent, I think Texas has enough late, and enough juice in them late. And Sark, I believe, is the coaching job he's done this year. They're not gonna let this one slip away at home, especially when they know what's on the line. They know that they just need to get to Oklahoma the second time to have a chance to make the playoffs. And they they feel that they're very capable. That we saw. I mean, we saw them here. We know how good of a team that they have all around. But can they just survive these next few weeks without Quinn Ewers? Are we gonna see any Arch Manning? We don't know. We'll see. He'll be on the sidelines Sark's been kind of you know hinting and whatever he's not giving too much away but um I think I'm gonna I'm gonna say Texas wins 24 to 20 it's really really close it's really really kind of it's kind of sloppy it's ugly but it's a game that looks like it's the way that Kansas State wants to play which is kind of in the trenches they want to play kind of in a game where they're not from like where they're not behind where they're able to stick to what they do best um they keep it close but Texas finds a way late yeah I think Texas um, really clamps down on Kansas State today. I think they have a great home environment there. I think they'll feed Jonathan Brooks. I think Murphy will find Saunders and Worthy and and A.D. Mitchell out in space. I think that uh, it's going to be a tough game. This Kansas State team has solid wins. Um, They're kind of one of those Big 12 teams that's in that mix you know that they have going to see who's going to be in the Big 12 championship game and this is a game that your traditional Texas team I feel like would lose but with the culture that Sark's built up um, and kind of the team that he's built around this year I, I, I think they're I think they're above that this year. I think they're above losing uh, these type of trap games to Kansas State and I, I like Texas in this one. I think it'll be Kind of on the lower end of the scoring. I, I, I like Texas 28-17. I mean, and when you think about, like, where they are now as a program and they pick up the, the, the biggest win that they've had in program in their program's history of the last, what were we, over 15 years, years for sure. Yeah. Um, it's got to be at Bryant-Denny Stadium. 
to waste that because if you lose today, then you're uh, to me they're done with playoffs. I mean, the, oh absolutely, the, no the, chance. Oklahoma so beat them. Control, Oklahoma, yeah. yeah. Oklahoma's kind of the only team that's got a, that's got a chance there, um, unless chaos ensues, of course. Which the Power Five I see is really really strong this year. I'm di- I digress, but um, I believe you know Texas that you're exactly right. The traditional Texas teams of the last decade plus would lose a game like this, and their season would feel like a waste, and they would end up being like eight and four somehow. But um, I think this team's too good to do that. I think that they're going to find a way today, but it is ugly. I hate to, you know, have us all agree on the same team, but I can't disagree with you guys. I think Texas wins this football game. I think their defense come out comes out and flexes a little bit. Kansas State, they've been great rushing the football, number fourth in the country. But right. this Texas, is on seven for Texas. We know Tex- how good that is. Yeah. Texas is built from the line of scrimmage. They have great talent, but they have great line of scrimmage play on, on both, both sides, sides of the football. Yeah. They're number 20th in the country in yards per yards per carry allowed and number 14 in rushing yards per game allowed. I think their defense flexes a little bit. I think they really dominate this game to show that they're and Malik per- Murphy plays a, you know, not a game manager game, but just keeps the ball away from Kansas State, doesn't turn it over. They run the football well. I think they win 28 to 10. Another 11 a.m. game with another three-point line. Texas A&M heads to Ole Miss. Ole Miss trying to you know, stay right there in this SEC West um, battle. I mean, nobody's really talked about them a lot, but they're right there. They're right there. So Alabama picks up a loss today, then they look pretty good. LSU wins this football game. I believe Ole Miss will yeah, be the, I think in so. the lead, I think. I, think. I, I mean, believe they have, they have the tiebreaker tie yeah, in some do. way. Because they beat LSU. And they, also have, they have one loss. They, they lost to us. That's they it. Lost, that's that's the only loss. Yeah, no, that they would, would be in front. No, they wouldn't, because we would have the tiebreaker over them. But they beat be LSU. LSU would beat oh, us. Yeah, we would, I don't know what the tiebreaker uh, would be, but uh, it would be a three-way yeah, tie in some way. Our out of conference, so we, that would be our True. first we would be, loss. Yeah, I don't, it's an interesting thing to think about, but they were, they're right there. To put quietly, you, yeah, yeah. Yeah. quietly right there. In the top ten. Good for Lincoln. Defense, Lincoln. playing better. This is their uh, first time being back-to-back 7-1 and starts since, I believe, 1962-1963. Texas A&M looking to become bowl-eligible. They were not bowl-eligible last year, surprisingly with all the talent that they have. Um, does Texas A&M go into Ole Miss and get it done? Or do the Rebels keep on trucking along and give us a top 10 matchup in Athens next week I if think, they win this game? I think the Rebs keep on trucking along. I think they, they find a way today to win. Um, I think it honestly looks pretty good because I think that even though this A&M's defense, it looks great right now. It looks All the talent looks great, but you, I mean, I can see the cracks. You can just see it. After they lost to Alabama, the wind gets taken out of their sails, and then they go to Tennessee, and they allow 200 rushing yards, which is something they, they have, wouldn't even dream of doing all year before that. Um, but, yeah, I think this is a day where Quinchin Junkins has a big day. They've start, He started to get going a little bit, which is huge for them offensively. And then defensively, this is probably the best defense Lane Kiffin's had, I think, at Ole Miss. Oh, yeah, without yeah, a doubt. I mean, without a doubt. And um, that, that's just kind of testament to the job that he's done in the transfer portal. I believe that, that you know, they, they've basically kind of, re, you know, you know, formulated this offense around Quinchin Judkins, transfer Jackson Dart, and then Zachary Franklin, those other transfer receivers, and then some guys on the other side. We know how good Lane Kiffin is as a recruiter. But, yeah, I think it looks pretty good today. I think Ole Miss goes over four, uh, 30 points. I think they win 35 to 27. Yeah, it, it, this is a tough one to predict uh, just because I'm personally not necessarily sold on Dart and Ole Miss yet. But they do have that LSU win that looks you know, more and more convincing every week. Um, it looks like a better win every week, I should say. 
and this is a Texas A&M team that while you know watching them with the eye test they look pretty good week in week out but they just have yet you see to the really cracks win. you really see the cracks yeah you also see the cracks yeah. and they they have just yet to win one of these big games like this this year and Ole Miss has won one against LSU I think that's going to play a factor playing in a close game like this um at Texas A&M just you know something they've had a hard time doing establishing with their culture is like establishing the expectation to win these big games and knowing how to win these big games um that they necessarily shouldn't win I don't believe in Texas A&M going on the road today and beating Ole Miss I think Ole Miss pulls it out I do think it's going to be a really close game I'll go 34-31 Ole Miss one thing about Texas A&M is all these computer model models all these different statistical models that they see always really like Texas A&M and I am not completely sure why because (laughs) every time you watch them I'm sitting there like this team is not that great and um Again, we're all going to pick the same team yeah. for back-to-back well, times. Looks, I don't know if that's ever happened it's just, on our you show. Just look, it just looks clear to me when I see that a Jimbo Fisher coach team, after they picked up a few losses, things start to unravel a little bit, and the team's less disciplined, and they're less ready to play, and stuff like that happens. And it's like, woe is me, pretty much, with Jimbo Fisher, it seems like. I'm also going to take Ole Miss with you guys. I think Jackson Dart is going to make a couple big plays to Trey Harris down the field, because this secondary Texas A&M lets up a lot of big plays. We've yep. seen it before. Yep. And then they're going to be able to get their run game going off of that. I believe Ole Miss wins 31-20. to We're going to preview one more game before we take a break, and that's the one in Athens, Georgia. Georgia, maybe the SEC East Championship. We have the SEC West Potential Championship tonight, but Missouri goes to Georgia. Uh, Missouri ranked number 12 in the country. Georgia, number two in the college football playoff yep. rankings. That's the first time in a little while they haven't been ranked number one. Um, do any of you guys believe Missouri? 15 and a half point dogs, I believe, in this game. Do they have a shot to make this game close? And be close in the fourth quarter with the Bulldogs. Well, I sure hope so, but I don't think so. I just I think the committee threw, even though it makes sense that Missouri should be ranked. It's a great story. Eli Drinkwitz has done a great job this year, and uh, you know Brady Cook and all that. Like that's a very strong offense. Luther Burden, one of the best receivers in the country. We know that, but this team, I don't defensively. I don't I don't see a way that they're able to stop Dejon Edwards and and um, and Ra Ra Thomas and all those guys. Dominic Lovett, and then Carson Beck is playing the best football of his season right now with no Brock Bowers still, but even without him. Uh, I just don't really see a way that at, in Sanford, at, at, in Sanford Stadium in Athens, I just don't see a way that, that Missouri is able to get off to a good start. I think it gets kind of ugly-ish early. I think that um, Missouri struggles um, to move the football. They kind of feel the pressure of Sanford Stadium and Carson Beck. It's like, a, a, you know, they put up 14 in the fir- first quarter, then it never really feels close. But I think the committee kind of threw Georgia a bone a little bit because I don't know if – if, I would call, if I'd call Missouri a top 12 team in the country, and they're going to have that on the resume once yeah, they get this one. Kind of like you talked about earlier, uh, they're ranked ahead of LSU, which is, you know, I, I guess LSU has the two losses. But but at home, as they, they went to their house and beat them by yeah. 10. The yeah. K-State win for Missouri does, you know, look pretty yes. good, though. Um, and, and it is. It's a great win because this team win. is a good a It's good a solid team. team. It's yes. a solid team, yeah. Um, not trying to take anything away from Missouri. They have a great offense. You know, they have. They've got a lot of seniors. They've got a lot of experience. You know, Brady Cook, it feels like he's been there forever. Yep. Um, they're running back Cody Strader. I think he's he's pretty old. Um, and then, you know, you got the crazy talent of Luther Burden, who's probably one of the most talented players uh, to ever uh, come into Missouri. From their best receiver since well, Doriel Green, Green Beckham. Beckham. Yeah, that's wow, what I was yeah, saying. Yeah, took the words right out of the mouth. Flashback, yeah. Yeah, that's, he reminds me a lot of him. Probably the best wide receiver to play for them since him. Um, but – 
as for Georgia, that Missouri's just unlucky that Georgia's playing this one at home. Um, I think that, you know, switch and, you know, Missouri did compete with Georgia last year at Missouri. Yep. Um, if they got they got them at Missouri again today, I think the line would be a lot closer. I think it would probably be like a seven-point game, ten-point game, honestly. And if you're at 11 a.m. as well, that would be another factor. I, I could see Georgia treating this uh, this game kind of like they've treated Kentucky games of the past. Like, this is, this is their, all right, we're going to reassert the dominance. You want to put Ohio State at number one? Uh, we're yeah. we're going to show you what we think about that. It just that. looks like it's going to be obvious. And then a lot similar, uh, very similar to last year with Stetson Bennett. Carson Beck's kind of came into his own. And the longer the season goes on, people think, okay, this team's dominating. Got to be Their quarterback's got to get some more Heisman hype. And Carson Beck's actually kind of played his way into the top ten for Heisman, I'm pretty sure. And he's looked like one of the better quarterbacks in the SEC as a whole. So I think he, he establishes himself as a great quarterback today. Um, I, I think Georgia wins. I don't know if they cover just because 15 is a lot, and I think Missouri really is a good team. But I am going to go Georgia by by 17 today. I, I like I like 38-21 Georgia. Yeah, Missouri, they're going to have to get off to an early start. They can't turn the football over. Luther Burns going to have to make some big plays. One tough thing, the best thing about this Georgia defense so far, number one in third down conversions allowed. They have been fantastic, only allowing 25% on third down. Missouri's going to have to do that. I don't – I don't, know. I don't believe I don't, they're going to do it. I, I got it. Georgia flexing their muscles, 41-14. And if you look at this, they got Ole Miss, and then they got to go to Neyland. They got a tough three-game stretch yep. right here. Really will test this team. We will know how good they are after these three weeks. And I think they flex it this week. I don't I'm, I'm going to go 45-27. I just think it's I, – I really – this Missouri defense, I just don't really believe much in. And I think the offense is really good, but – when you got to play with Georgia. I hope at Georgia too at Georgia I mean, just yeah. feels like that type of a game I hope we are all wrong and yeah and Georgia t- makes talking tonight and Missouri pulls off a stunner but a stunner or just it makes it a good game like that yeah. would be fun to see but yeah, even like last year you know like Ole Miss, if I get a game like that I'm happy Ole Miss next week Tennessee the week after like that going to Tennessee as well that will be kind of the two tests I, yeah, think. I think those are much bigger Ole Miss threats. is a bigger test yeah. for sure bigger threat I think they're like a bit a better version of this Missouri team kind of yeah, yeah. I agree in a couple of weeks when we're talking about Georgia playing at Neyland I I think we we might. Well, that's the game I've been circling all year, but yeah, exactly. you know, no, we talked about that in the preseason. So they look at every week. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if they look great. Yeah. All right, we're gonna take a quick break. We have a few more games left to preview for you guys. Thank you all for listening, and we'll be right back. WVUA FM, Tuscaloosa. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to 90.7 The Capstone. This is the game day show live on the campus of the University of Alabama. We are jumping into some Week 10 previews. We've got two left for you today. Started going out to Stillwater, Oklahoma. This is maybe the final the final bedlam yeah, for the, the bedlam foreseeable for fish future. Years, for a little bit. Yeah. yeah. Oklahoma at Oklahoma State. Classics. Cowboys, just like the Kansas State, have turned their season around early yeah, on. They uh, look terrible early They on. lost to South Alabama earlier mm. this year. Um, <laughs> kind of just seems like an Oklahoma State thing to do. Remember that year they lost to Central Michigan yep. on that crazy oh, play? On the, like, the lateral. Yeah. 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 But, you know, they're back in the top 25, and they are tied to top first place in the Big 12. They win this football game. They have a clear path to the Big, Ten cha- twi- Big 12 championship, excuse me, and they have the 
one of the top running backs in the country and Ollie Gordon. Interesting stat for you. How many carries do you think he had, Peyton, against South Alabama? Uh, 17. Three. Three carries against South Alabama, and since then, he's had 18, 21, 29, 29, 25. Yeah. Four straight 100-plus yard games, back-to-back games of 270-plus rushing yards. Absolutely fantastic. Oklahoma coming off a game in which they got the ball ran down their throat by Kansas. They ran for over 200 yards, over five yards per carry. Oklahoma, though, comes in as six-and-a-half-point favorites at Stillwater. Will we get another Bedlam Classic, and can Oklahoma State pull off an upset? I'm taking the points with Oklahoma State. I think the way they can run the ball, and the, and the, but the way Oklahoma runs the ball as well is interesting. It's, it's going to be a different feel to this uh, Bedlam series. It's not going to be your typical, um, what, 63-59 to 59 game or something like that that you've seen over the years. I think it will be more in the, in the 20s and 30s. I'm gonna say I'm gonna say Oklahoma squeaks one, thirty to twenty-seven because they figure out a way at the end to, yeah, kind of assert themselves as a team that we thought they were before Kansas. Um, I think they do a little bit better job against the run today than they did last week, and they wake up for the game. It's a night. It's a not a night game. It's two thirty game here mm-hmm. locally um, on ABC. Uh, in Stillwater, I mean, it's just it's sad to see the series go because it's given us so many good ones in the past. But I think Oklahoma makes it. It's another classic. It's got to be. It's got to be a fitting way to end the series um, for at least a little bit with a close game, and Oklahoma pulls one out. But you could so see Oklahoma State winning this game. Yeah, I, I think that Oklahoma has owned this rivalry in past years, but just with it being the last bedlam in ten plus it's years, it's always close. Though, and it's at it yeah, is. yeah. I feel like it is too, um, and it's at BPS. So I, I think it's going to be an insane um, atmosphere. I think the line's down to Oklahoma by five now. I do like Oklahoma State though in this one outright. Um, I think that teams have kind of gotten the blueprint for how to beat Oklahoma now. Uh, you can just absolutely dominate them on the run, and you know not even Texas teams. had a lot of success. Exactly, all and the round too. you know looking forward, I th- I kind of think we've got a little bit of an Oregon Washington situation, and I think this one is more so prevalent. I think that Texas is a better team than Oklahoma. Um, I just think that Oklahoma yeah. had a lot of momentum in that game. Dylan Gabriel played out of his mind in that game as well. It felt like um, Texas yeah. might be the number one team in the country if they had if they had won that game. Yeah, might be. I agree. Yeah. I agree. And this this Oklahoma team, I think, has their holes. And I think Brent Venables got, has this program going in the right direction. Obviously, you know, people overreacted at last year after they were 6-7 and seven or whatever. I think this team is going to be back into the uh, competing for a national championship probably pretty soon, especially in the SEC. But that being said, I think Oklahoma State capitalizes off – Uh, the holes in their defense today Um, I think Oklahoma State gets out to a lead early and finds some success early on the ground and I think their defense is defense capitalizes off that I've got Oklahoma State 31-21 today a big part about this game is whether linebacker from Oklahoma Danny Stutzman their star linebacker whether he plays he's going to be a game time decision if he doesn't play I will without a doubt have full confidence in Oklahoma State even if he does play I'm still taking the Cowboys I like how they run the football as you guys said and I didn't like how Oklahoma played last week at all and big thing about it is a lot of their run rushing attack for Oklahoma has been Dylan Gabriel. Their running backs have not played fantastic. Offensive line has not played fantastic. They're going to have to turn that around if they want to win this football game. A lot about Oklahoma last year, as you talked about, didn't have a great season, losing close games. They won their first close game against Texas. Last week they played in another close one. Did not pull it out. I think we get another close one here in Bedlam. I think there's more motivation for the Cowboys and for their fans considering, you know, 
they're kind of the little brother to Oklahoma. Yeah. Yeah. And this is the last bedlam. They get it in their place. Oklahoma is leaving them to go to the SEC. Yeah. I give all the momentum to the Cowboys. I think they win this game outright. I'm going to go 28-24. Cowboys. Yeah, you can see that. Win. Yeah, you can see that. But you're going to have to have Alan Bowman make a few plays in this one through the air. He's going to have to make a few big throws against a secondary that's, I think, stronger than the defensive line for Oklahoma. So, to me, Dylan Gabriel bounces back a little bit in the past game. And there's no – it's. Uh, I believe the forecast says it's going to be clear skies, I believe, as opposed to last week. So, I think that gives uh, Dylan Gabriel a little bit better of an advantage in um, the passing game, a guy who's already kind of limited as a passer in terms of arm strength. But still – um, very capable when you're um, when when you know the conditions are right, and I believe they will be today. Um, but yeah, Alan Bowman, I think they I give him the quarterback edge, and uh, I think that's kind of the separator. All right, we got one more game to preview for today, and it is the Washington Huskies, number five in the country, heading to Los Angeles to the Coliseum to play Caleb Williams and the USC Trojans. USC coming off a 50-49 to 49 win over Cal. Uh, like, uh, thrilling game. Absolutely thrilling comeback somehow against the, what, 4-4 four and four Cal team. Yeah, not uh, very good, Auburn but they beat. played pretty well that game. And then Washington coming off a nine-point victory against Stanford. If not for a fourth down conversion drop, Stanford. That, man, they were, he was going to run a long game. way with that one, too. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, does Washington bounce back? Do they go back to the team that we saw against Oregon? Or does USC find a way to turn their season around and get their first big big win. Well, so this is one that's so fascinating because both these teams feel like they're just wounded at this point. I mean, last, two weeks ago, Washington hosted Arizona State, and that high-powered offense was held to 15 points and actually eight points if not for a pick. They six. did not score an offensive touchdown. No, that they game. didn't. They didn't. It was what was the what was the second touchdown? Three field goals. Three field goals. In goals in a, yeah, yeah. I, was, I was about to bring that up. I they only won that game because because the pick Arizona six. State went for it yeah. on the Washington. And that, yard well, that line. pick six and was the pick six and was an awful the play throw. call. Uh, it was a play yeah. call. It was like a it was like a motion. I'm gonna try not to delve too much into yeah. this play, but there was like a motion across the field into the field side, and off that motion, the guy ran like a five yard dig, mm-hmm. and so it was like yep. a 25 yard lateral throw or horizontal throw, what what you want to call it, and it was just like you know that's like you're asking to throw a pick six. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure it's a true freshman QB. That yeah, I, yeah. Has I mean, it was Rashada. it was an awful play so. call, and they were right there, kind of, but. Washington able to squeak by that one and Stanford. They get USC today, and I think it's really close. This is going to be an interesting game. This is one where Caleb Williams. This is the, if if there was ever a time. This is I've, I've, this is the first time I've heard in two in a year plus year and a half that Caleb Williams is in the consensus number one overall pick. I've seen Roger drafts with Marvin yep. Harrison going ahead of him, and I still wouldn't go that far. I'm still taking Caleb Williams. I'm not giving him a stake in my franchise like he wants, but I'm still taking him. Um, but this is a game where, I mean, this is a huge one for Lincoln Riley. And, I mean, he's got right now he's the same record as the previous head coach, which his name is slipping me right now, but USC's previous head coach. Clay Helton. Clay Helton. Clay Helton. He was at um, – also forgetting that too but anyway I digress through however many games they have the same exact record first four, um, you know 20 whatever whatever plus games same record um, they both have the same record and uh, and it's a, it's one where Lincoln Riley walked in with you know National all the hype and world, national championship or bust and stuff like that and now he's walking it back he's like whoever's like assuming we're going to win the national championship it can't happen this fast 
Um, but yeah, they refuse to tackle. Still, they're they're still playing. I mean, this is a, a get right game for sure. If you've ever had one, if you're um if you're Michael Penix Jr. who played well last week, but not well well to what we expect from him early on at least. And then um, Utah uh, beating USC. I mean, they were they, you saw the way they looked last week. Um, that de- I mean that Oregon offense torched them, and Oregon de- and the Oregon defense. Uh, absolutely, you know, suffocated them, and they put up 34 against USC. Uh, Cal put up 49. They were up 14 in the yep. fourth quarter. It's just unbelievable to think about. But this is one where Caleb Williams, uh, the way he's played lately, I mean, even last week, I put up 50 points. It seems like it would be good, but 23 of 40, he's not the efficient player that we saw. He's not those off, you know, balance throws, those, like, miraculous plays that he's making kind of are drying up a little bit. He's got to play more within himself, get the ball out quickly and play smarter. And if he does that, then they can pull up an upset. But I'm still going to take Washington. I still think that they, they – I think it's like 40, 48, 43, something like that. It's, it's very high scoring. Yeah, I, this is a, a real, another one that's pretty hard to predict. It really is um, hard to predict. It is at USC, and USC doesn't really have much yeah. of a home field environment like Coliseum. Uh, going for them there. But I, I do think Washington having to travel and play a little bit out of their comfort zone will play a factor today. I like what you said a lot about Caleb Williams getting the ball out of his hands because Washington is going to bring pressure yeah. off the edge. That's yeah, really, really good pass rush. The, the focal point of their defense. Huge game for Caleb Williams. Huge game um, for him. Yeah. Uh, I mean, as far as shutting down the – because I also have seen, you know, if the Cardinals get that first pick, you know, they might keep Kyler, go Marvin Harrison uh, at number one. I think Caleb Williams could kind of reestablish himself as that generational QB talent that is an undoubted number one pick. Uh, no matter who's the team um, today. I think they have an opportunity to do that. That being said, this USC team is just so, so bad defensively. Um, it, re- it really can't be talked about enough, even if it is the first thing you think of when you think of USC. It rightfully is so because of how bad this defense is. Like we said, this is a Cal team. Uh, Cal scored 49. It's a team that put up 10 against Auburn at home. Um, it's it's You've got Utah who just gets blasted, scores six points in the week before. Um, Bryson Barnes looked like a great quarterback against USC. So, so that being said, I, I, I think Washington pulls this one out. Um, Washington has experience in these close games against uh, inferior opponents. These are both two teams that, you know, like to squeak by. But I think Washington plays up to their competition today a little bit. Um, and I think I think they get a win. Like Peyton said, it's going to be just like a messy Pac-12 uh, early 2010s shootout. Yeah. Um, I, I like Washington in this one. Kind of random to predict the score just because it's going to be so high scoring. But I'll, I'll go 49-42 uh, Washington. Yeah, we saw against Oregon this Washington defense. You know, they got a lot of ga- yards let up. They were able to run the football against they them. They got way the out game in that game. Yeah. And I like the way this USC um, wide receiver core that they have. They have Brendan Rice, Zachariah Branch, Taj Washington. Those dudes are fantastic. They have to get the ball to Marshawn Lloyd and run the football. If they can establish a run game early on, then let Caleb Williams do his thing. That's what they got to do. They, this Lincoln Riley offense, they got to be able to run the football. He's been able to run the football years at Oklahoma, a little bit at USC. They're going to get that going. I think Caleb Williams comes out. I think they play fantastic, and they got to bounce back. They have to. They need this game more than Washington they needs do. this game. And I know it's a crazy thing to think about, but they are still in the race for the Pac-12 championship. 
championship. They only have one loss in Pac-12 play. If they can win this game, they still have a path to make the Pac-12 championship. I think they find a way to win this football game. I think it's going to be incredibly entertaining. A ton of points scored. I'm going to go 56-53 USC. Absolute <laughs> Jeez, God. 109 points total. Yeah. Hammer the over. Hammer the I don't, what, what is, is it? The, the, over it's only 77 and a half. 77 so, and that's a half. Only, that's the biggest over I've ever heard, I've ever, ever heard of, I think. Yeah, but that's insane. I mean, it makes I mean, sense. According to all of our predictions, oh, it's, it's going to hit. Yeah, but that's insane to hear yeah. that number. 77 yeah. and a half is an absolutely unreal number. And we're saying... Take the over. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Expect, Don't listen to expect us, points. It's a huge game for Caleb Williams. I really, I would love to have to have the. I can't go. I'm not going to go back on my prediction, but I'd love to. You know, I, I want to. I don't want to see USC win, but I. You know, I think that this is lining up for them to finally play well for the first time in a month. Yeah. All right, we got four minutes left in the show. We're going to talk a little bit about the Heisman race. We talked about Caleb Williams. He can have a Heisman moment today. Okay, he's done. We're not, no. Caleb Williams is not. Caleb Caleb Williams is no shot. Yeah, no 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 chance. He would have to put up a historic year to win the Heisman two times in a row. There's no way. Yeah. Jaden Daniels, though, tonight. Michael Penix tonight. Both have big-time platforms, primetime games, to make big splashes in their Heisman races. Do you see them making their big splash, or do you see another person coming out, whether it's Marvin Harrison Jr., whether it's Drake May's probably a long shot as well, but anybody else in the country? Um, Right now it seems like it would be Penix and and, uh, Daniels. Daniels already has two losses. If he has three losses, then it seems like that. I mean, Tebow won with three losses, but I don't think. Did Manziel win with three No, they won with two losses, I believe, I think. Um, it might have been three. Though. Well, they might have picked up, didn't they? Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I just remember all those A and M teams were so spotty. Yeah, but that one, yeah, whatever. That that that's well, that's the team that beat Alabama yep. when they destroyed Notre Dame. Sorry, Nazaria, but not really. Um, I still, I still think this is. I'm, I'm still gonna lean Michael Penix, even though it's been so yep. bad the last two weeks. I'm still leaning him if they're able. He has the clearest path to me, and he, I mean today, this is a game where I, that's. I mean, if they win stay 9-0 and he plays like as well as he's played all year besides the last two games then I see that he has a very clear path because right now it's it's kind of just whoever's award and right now I think Jay Nails should be the favorite and is the favorite and the <coughs> the path for him is tonight I, if Jalen Daniels and I don't want to talk about this but if Jalen Daniels wins tonight and they score a lot and they play really well he locks up the Heisman to me a little bit unless they pick up another loss um, which could happen. Too. Which could happen, of course. We don't. I mean, you never know this year. But Jane Daniels has played the best lately. But Penix has the undefeated record and um, and still comparable stats a little bit. So I think that this is a Michael Penix tonight plays really well. They win. They they squeak by USC. They uh, he throws for 400 yards and four touchdowns. Puts himself right back in that conversation. And Jane Daniels has a big game tonight, but there's a few moments where he makes mistakes like he did against Florida State. Even though he had 350 yards at Florida State, he really didn't play that well. We know that. In the first half, they were struggling. Throughout the second half, they were struggling. They didn't score until a 75-yard touchdown to end the game. But um, to lose 20, by 20 points, I think that this is still Michael Penix's award, but it's right now he rightfully should not be the favorite. Yeah, I think it's uh, another thing, too, as the season progresses, it's easy to just throw, hey, quarterback on a top-tier team, Heisman contender or a Heisman candidate, and that's going to be Bo quietly, with, quietly with, Bo Nix. Uh, Beck and J.J. McCarthy getting nah, thrown up I into those conversations. I've heard J.J. McCarthy. I agree. I, I agree. I'm just saying it's easy for people to just say, yeah. hey, best quarterback on a top-tier team. 
throw him in there. Um, I think that's kind of what's happening as the season goes on. Uh, but as of right now, I'd say that Penix is in the lead with Jaden Daniels close behind uh, just because of how Washington's played those last uh, few games against Arizona State, against Stanford. Uh, but I, I do think that Penix will probably end up winning it just because he has the clearest path. Uh, another kind of dark horse, like Peyton said, is Bo, Bo Nix. I was and literally about to say that. Another one after that is is Jordan Travis, too. I know he's kind of fallen mm-hmm. off a little bit, like down into it, but they have big Still games undefeated. ahead of them. Yeah. They have Miami. They have Florida. They have um, the ACC Championship. Those are three games where, you know, he goes for 300 and a couple touchdowns in those three games. He's going to be at least, you know, maybe in contention to go to New York. Yeah. I like Marvin Harrison Jr. I think he's the focal point of this Ohio State offense. He's the reason they're undefeated. Uh, obviously, against Penn State, he was fantastic. They're going to keep feeding him the, fall, the ball. He's going to be it's able gotta to get, boost his stats. It's got to get lucrative because feel, he's not even the leader, and he's maybe in touchdowns he's the leader, not in receiving yards. Not, yards. Though. He's not, not yet, but he's not. I think he has he, a lot of big opportunities course, left. And they get Michigan, I yeah. think – he has a shot. I would say if there's anybody not a quarterback, I could I see him go to New York. I, I just see him go to New York. my thing is it's it's hard to give it to a receiver or running back or whatever position if they're Smith. not just by far the best at their position. And I feel like with Luther Burden and Malik um, Neighbors and Malik Neighbors playing as good as they have this year, it's hard to just it's hard to say that Marvin Harrison Jr. has been a better wide receiver than them this year, let alone Heisman uh, and Roma Dunze. Yeah, yep. exactly. Like and the thing about when when Smitty won is Smitty was just so up and beyond. It was like it was like a joke how good he was playing in yeah. college like football. I think that, Marvin Harrison's all that's, that's great. The best I mean, shout out to that guy. He's he's putting in clutch numbers yeah. for my college football fantasy team right now. He's playing oh, like yeah. thirty five a game. Nice. It's nice. It's nice. <laughs> I'm on a heater. But yeah, yeah, just you know, going over the Smitty season a little bit more. I he, that's just probably the best college receiver season yeah. ever. Yeah. So, all right. Well, we thank you all for listening. We hope you guys are tuning into the Alabama game tonight, and hopefully they can beat LSU tonight. Next week, they will be taking on Kentucky. We will be back at 8 a.m. to talk about that game and hopefully talk about Alabama beating LSU. We thank you all for listening, and as always, roll tide. WVUA-FM, Tuscaloosa.